siblings have a funny way of changing our lives. Sometimes for the better, and sometimes for the worse. For those that have siblings, things can get pretty complicated. Some people basically hate their siblings until they hit a certain age. But some people have siblings that are also their closest friends. And it's perfectly normal for the way that we feel about our siblings to change with time. If you have a good relationship with your siblings, you might just find that every once in a while, you miss them. Unfortunately, a trip to visit a sibling doesn't always go according to plan. Because every time you head out on the open road, you put yourself at risk. And not every story has a happy ending. My name is Brianne, and I'm the host and creator of Among the Dirt and Trees, a show where we explore true crime cases that occur out in nature. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the disappearance and murder of David Stack, an 18-year-old young man who decided to travel to visit his siblings, but never made it there. If you are all caught up on the show, you know that I recorded my episodes a couple of weeks in advance due to travel. And I figured that would cover everything, but sometimes, plans can change. My trip to Utah has officially turned into an extended stay, and as you can imagine, that kind of complicates the recording situation. Ultimately, I ended up with a couple of options. I could either fly back home for a recording session before coming back to Utah, or... I could book out one of those fancy recording studios that have started to pop up in major cities everywhere. But those plans all come with a price tag. And as glamorous as being an indie podcaster is, anything with a really high cost isn't that great. Fortunately, I have the best producer in the world who rapid fire sent me not one but two sets of supplies so I could build my own studio out here in Utah. So, big thanks to John for moving mountains to make this all work. Missing episodes was not something that I wanted to do because I don't want to let you all down. And when I say you all, I really mean it because I also have a pretty big announcement to make. Last week, Among the Dirt and Trees passed 50,000 downloads. Yes, 50,000. Which is mind-blowing to me. Almost as mind-blowing as the fact that about 20% of those downloads happened in the month of November alone. So, looking at the data, there are a lot of new listeners joining us. And I just want to say that whether you've been here since the first episode or you just started listening last week, I'm really happy that you're here, and I hope that you're enjoying the show. Now, let's talk about a Colorado citizen that was murdered in Utah. The way that we approach traveling has changed quite a bit throughout the years, and a lot of that has to do with safety. Every once in a while, we find new, safer ways to travel. Sometimes these advancements have to do with technology, and other times they have to do with laws. Of course, 
Most laws are a byproduct of human behavior. Because if there's one thing that people are good at, it's finding new ways to end up in danger. David Slate was 18 when he made the decision to leave Broomfield behind to head to California. Now, Broomfield is one of those cities that really doesn't get a lot of attention or excitement in Colorado. It's no Boulder, Vail, or Aspen, but a lot of my best memories happened in Broomfield. When I was a kid, my grandparents lived out there. And every time I went to Broomfield, I was always so excited to see them. And to drive past this very small cemetery along the way, because even as a kid, I had weirdly dark interests. Broomfield was the adventure zone for me, because my grandma was always down for literally anything, whether it was solving imaginary mysteries in her neighborhood or watching scary movies and actively planning how we would fight monsters when the need would arise. More importantly, she never once told me to go to bed when I'd spend the night and wanted to stay up until the morning hours writing on her computer about magic and spooky monsters. So, you can definitely thank her for the fact that this show exists at all. Behind a lot of writers, there is that one person who said, of course you can do that while everyone else said, there's no money in writing. And if you have any interest in that, don't listen to them. There definitely is. Interestingly enough, my grandparents, and consequently my father and uncle, moved to Colorado the year after David Stack went missing. The general consensus is that David planned to visit his siblings in California. I'm not entirely sure why. And like everyone else, I'm not actually sure that that is where he was headed at all. But we do know that he was on the road, and he had a pretty specific plan for travel. Hitchhiking. Now, we've talked about the dangers of hitchhiking before, but... I'm here to share some new information that I have learned since then. Most of us know and believe that hitchhiking is illegal, but do you actually know why? And is it actually as illegal as you think it is? In a lot of places, hitchhiking is illegal, but it's actually only illegal under some pretty specific circumstances. I personally always assumed that hitchhiking was illegal because of the inherent dangers that come with it, but that actually isn't true. It's generally just illegal to hitchhike on highways because it's a danger to drivers. In a lot of places, you are actually completely free to hitchhike on highway exits in the United States. So, fun fact, still wouldn't recommend you do it though. In the 70s, no one thought twice about hitchhiking, and it seemed like a good way for David to get from point A to point B. And his travels led him to Wendover, Utah. June 9th was the last day that David was ever seen, and for 39 full years, that was where David's story ended. 
Despite this, another story started on June 10th, when a body was found in a local landfill. At the time, police were looking for any information to help them identify this John Doe. They knew that this particular John Doe was estimated to be in his late teens or early 20s. They knew that he had the stereotypical long hair and messy facial hair that was so common at the time. They knew his build and his blood type. And more importantly, they knew that someone shot him to death. Police asked around. They looked for more evidence. They wondered who did it, and they wondered who this mysterious young man was. No one seemed to know anything. And after they collected all the information that they could and asked all of the questions that they could, they had to admit that there was really nothing they could do. The John Doe was officially considered a cold case, and his body was buried in a local cemetery. In the words of Sheriff Paul Wimmer, if you were killed and you didn't have your ID on you, it was difficult to identify a body. But 39 years later, in 2015, police would experience a breakthrough. The right information fell into the right hands, and not just the information that you might think. The case was reopened when a couple of local detectives attended a conference about effective ways to investigate cold cases. Equipped with these new techniques, that John Doe case was reopened, and it didn't take them long to realize that the young man was very likely to be David Stack. They managed to contact his family for DNA and dental records, and then they exhumed the John Doe's body to confirm his identity. When the results came back in, it was confirmed. The John Doe was David. I think it's pretty amazing that a conference led to a major breakthrough in a case with almost no actual details on either side. If the detectives hadn't attended that conference or if they just hadn't paid attention, David would still be considered a missing person to this day. It shows the importance of information sharing and how even the most likely cases can end up with breakthroughs decades later. Of course, we still don't know who killed David, and we don't know why they did it. But at least David could finally be returned to his family and they could receive the closure of knowing what happened to him at all. It's awful that he never made it to his destination, but at least police were able to identify him in the end. It's the small victory sometimes. Now, two exciting things will be happening this week. The first episode will be our first slightly longer but not too long episode. And I'm also going to be releasing an interview that I did when I first started the show and had absolutely no idea where it was going, much less that I would ever refresh a web page and see that it passed 50,000 downloads at 1 o'clock in the morning. 
There is nothing too cool or too serious about it, but if you want to know a little bit more about me and my inspirations for the show, you might find it pretty interesting. So, if you want to talk about Utah, your favorite cities growing up, or the most ridiculous reasons that you've ever fought with a sibling, contact me on Twitter or Instagram using the tag at datpod. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.